This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury and welcome to Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. As usual, I'm joined by my two friends, Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Say hello, Daniel. Hello, I'm so happy. Richard is back. Yay. And of course, my other friend, because I've only got two, it is Ali Johan. Hi, Ali. Hello, Richard. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, As usual then, uh, a show in three parts, starting off with some local stuff. uh, And then uh, Toyota Veloz, some Mercedes stuff, some online vehicle checking. And then on to part two, some Proton stuff, some Gentari stuff. Wrapping up with a review of the Honda Civic E-H-E-V-R-S. Vroom. Now, what have we got to start us off with then? Yes, we're on to some news this week and as you rightly mentioned, Rich, Toyota Veloz, the new family-friendly seven-seater crossover by Toyota has finally been launched into the local market and it is going to replace Toyota Avanza. But Richard, can you tell me, does the shape remind you of any other cars? It reminds me of an awful lot of other cars right now, yes. But one in particular, <laughs> Richard, one in particular. Why are you asking me to do this? Huh? Let me tell you, let me tell you. Because actually the Toyota Veloz shares its platform and powertrain with the recently launched Parodua Alza. And they look... I was going to say, it looks vaguely Parodua-ish. Yes, Yes. and they are identical almost, save the badge and some little features that they've put on, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And Toyota Veloz is a modern premium SUV as they've branded it, now in the local markets, open for booking from October onwards. Um, And Daniel, um, are they going to be made from the same factory that makes Alza? That's the thing. It is made at the same factory. It comes out of the same line, but it's separated at some point to have little different features added in. End of the day, Perdua is partly owned by Toyota. Their technology comes from Toyota. A lot of their vehicles are actually Toyota vehicles or Daihatsu vehicles because Toyota in Japan also owns that. So it's a very complicated story. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people find it still very strange, but I, I think you guys remember the, the Perdua Rush. To, sorry, Toyota Rush Toyota and the Perdua Arus. Okay, see, I get confused also. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, when the when the Perdua Arus was launched, and then a few, uh, I think, a couple of months later, the Toyota Rush was launched, and people said, "Ah, oh, it's almost the same." But actually, there's always slight differences. That also was coming out of the same factory in Rawang. Uh, engine was the same, platform was the same. It spotted the same looks, but different grille, different lights, different bumper, mm. different wheels, different features on the inside, added safety features. Toyota always adds more safety features. So same thing. Toyota Veloz is basically, I would say, an upgraded Perdua Alza. Uh-huh. And and remember this, okay, with the Veloz, Toyota has gone one step further where even the front panels, rear panels are not interchangeable. They look the same, but they're actually different. Right, so oh. the same platform gives it the same length and width, uh, I suppose, but different features. Yes, and, and different height. The Veloz is slightly higher than the Perdua version. And the reason for this is because Toyota says it's no longer just an MPV. It's also a crossover. Uh, <laughs> because they're calling much? it a crossover MPV. How much higher is it? Okay, it's a few mm. It's actually 205 mm against uh, 170 mm. Uh-huh. But... You see, that little bit of MM, when you're going 
not for off-road use lah, but when you know when you have a little bit of water coming onto the roads, mm, mm. will make a slight difference. Mm. Also, it's got slightly bigger wheels at 17 inch, and uh, this vehicle, the inside touch and feel points. There's a lot of soft touch panels. Um, infotainment system is different. The cockpit is different. The seat material is different, but the configurations are the same. The functionality is the same. So here comes the sexy part, and why I say sexy is because the difference in price twenty thousand ringgit. What? <laughs> so the Perdua version is just below seventy five thousand. This is exactly ninety five thousand. Now, ask you guys, Ali, would you pay the extra twenty thousand ringgit? It might be because of the brand, right? I mean, once you put on a it's Toyota, got to be just because of the brand, sure. Well, you have you have all these little added things I just mentioned. Plus, you have slightly more safety features. So, would you pay an extra twenty thousand ringgit? Hmm, I might actually. Okay, Richard. No. Okay, so Richard doesn't earn as much as you, Ali. We've just definitely we know that <laughs> confirmed that. <laughs> I have to change my whole <laughs> plan for the next few years because I've always been saying Richard's got expat salary. Obviously, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I am also earning that expat salary because I will pay the extra twenty thousand ringgit. Why though? I'll tell you why. Because I am a snob. I'm a real snob. Uh, mm. So it's bad snobbery. Now I'll tell you why. Because first of all, there's already like forty over thousand bookings for the Perdua Alza, oh, right? Yeah. I've driven it. I went to Kotabaro and back. I've got nothing but good things to say about the vehicle. So there's no issue. I've not driven this yet, but of course it'll be almost the same or slightly better with the bigger rims and everything else. But why would I pay twenty thousand now over a seven to nine year loan? That is just a few hundred ringgit. But when I arrive at my relative's house for Christmas or Deepavali or Hari Raya or Chinese New Year, I'm driving Toyota. You know, you get what I mean? Is it worth that twenty grand just for that though? I think it's worth because in this segment, okay, let me let me rephrase it in mm. a different way. It's like the guy who bought a Toyota Camry for hundred and ninety-seven thousand, and his good friend paid seventy thousand more and got the Lexus version. Both cars are very similar. Of course, the Lexus version has got better features, better luxury. It looks slightly different, slightly different. But you know, everyone says, "Ah, you know." Or even when you say the Toyota Harrier and the Lexus version, mm. you say, "Ah, oh, you know, why are you paying extra more?" Snobbery. <laughs> Snobbery, which is an you Asian snob. thing, lah. You know, snobs. It's hard to talk about the Velos without touching on the Prado Alza. The shape is is one thing, but uh, I think Daniel told me that Toyota meant to launch the Velos around the same time when Prado put out Alza, right? A couple of months yes, ago. Yes, that didn't happen. That sort of built up the hype for the Velos. It, it got high social media interest, so much so that they already have about six thousand units booked. Even Correct. before the launch of the car, so might be people are talking about that forty thousand back orders on Prodoa and the waiting time that might take some time. That's why they might go on with the Velos as well. Well, you know, you say that, but I just heard today from one of the dealers delivery now three months waiting list. Wow! So it is batch snobbery after all. Yeah, and there's <laughs> enough people out there who want a new one. Okay, okay. So enough with buying snobbery from one expensive thing to another. What have we got <laughs> next? Something more expensive, in fact. Uh, <laughs> Mercedes-Benz just announced their all-electric SUV from the E-series uh, or the E-cars that they've uh, launched this year. And here comes the EQE SUV, which is their fourth all-electric to use the same new electric platform as the EQS Saloon, the EQS SUV. And also the EQE sedan. This is launched globally. It's not come here yet, but 
the fact that it's uh, all electric and they already have the right hand drive version i'm thinking very soon and you know mercedes is not slowing down with their big electric charge because they've already got i think four electric vehicles ready for malaysians to buy they're all brand new full warranty full battery backup everything so mm. i think this is just going to be another india lineup and uh, i think they're catching up uh, very fast against petrol offerings <laughs> you get what i mean mm. very soon they'll have more electric cars on offer over petrol driven models yeah and this eqe suv boasts some really good numbers in terms of driving range mm. this is yes. one of the few that can go beyond 550 kilometers on a full charge exactly and that means it's better than a tesla jang 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 ah, because it's brand new it's got yeah. you know a yeah. new new uh, battery technology You know, battery technology is evolving. It's evolving very, very fast with every new model. So instead of buying a recon Tesla or a used Tesla, why don't you buy this? Wait a little while. I do like the look of this, actually. Yeah, it does yeah. look good. Um, what about the price, though, Daniel? Very difficult to guess because I'm looking at the EQS, which is currently on sale at three hundred eighty-eight thousand. Yeah, this is about the same size, but with new battery technology and everything else. So I think it'll be slightly more. And you know, Rich, this car mm. has this. Soundscape that you can drive to to put you in a specific mood as well. Not just like a good solid sound system, but you can also uh-huh. set the mood to it while you're driving. So that's one of those, so, you know, high tech. So you get in, you say, "I'm stuck in traffic for the next two hours. Make me feel better." Yeah, or play me something oh. calming. Nice. <laughs> that's not a bad idea. What do you say to that, Daniel? I just say this: all this is in preparation for people going completely autonomous, right? Mm-hmm. Oh. You're gonna get bells chiming in the background, and and I'm not happy about this autonomous car thing because I think <laughs> at some point if something has a glitch, you're going to have mm. a little nudge and a whack, and there's going to be an accident. So I'm I'm I don't think we're ready for autonomous cars at least for another decade. You know, it's funny you say that, and I came to a very similar conclusion. I think some very well developed cities are ready, and I think most of the planet is not. As yeah. of this stage, yeah. Okay, what's this about Citos? Citos Digital Berhad just launched a new service for online vehicle check facility that they have collaborated with Autofax, and Autofax is Malaysia's first online automotive bureau with the largest database, and they're going to be using Autofax to help them get the sources of the reports for each car that are going to be checked through Citos from now onwards with the online vehicle facility. They are a company that gives you a financial check on individuals. The banks use them, finance companies use them. You know, a lot of companies use. Like, say, now you want to get a loan, you want to get a credit card. There's always a CTOS check, CTOS. You know what I mean? Mm. CTOS has launched an online vehicle check facility. This is totally new to me. I didn't hear about this. There was no rumor. There was no trickle of information. Just bang! They sent us a press release, and then I called them up to get more information. They said, "Oh, it's all in the press release." They didn't want to share. How they getting the info? Where they sharing the info and all that? But what they said is, this information comes from auction houses, insurance companies, government agencies. Coming from insurance companies means the car will have information like the CTOS has information on the car whether they've claimed for flood damage insurance, they've claimed for accident insurance. You get what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's coming from government agencies. That means uh, probably JPJ and Puspacom. That means it's gone for its checkup when it was sold or it's a used car or things like that. So I think this is. This is exactly what they're trying to do, uh, in line with what is already being provided. For example, in Japan, in Japan, uh, you can go and get a full health check report 
on a reconditioned car that that is coming in by a private importer. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, yeah, so that information uh, was only came to light maybe about three years ago. I think before mm. that, a lot of private importers, not a lot lah, some private importers used to bring in accident damaged cars and do the repair here. Because why? If they buy an accident damaged car from Japan, it could be very badly damaged or lightly damaged, but damage is damage, right? Mm. When they bring it and and custom does the evaluation on the car, the duty paid will be very very low, mm. right? Mm. Now, with very low duty, then they take it here to some backyard workshop and just spruce it up with second-hand parts and shiny new paint to convince new car buyers that, hey, this is an accident-free car because there's no background information. True. So, yeah. when, when when Japan started releasing the information and, and a local person shared it on Facebook and it went viral, now there are so many of these so-called accident cars lying around in many of these dealers which cannot be sold because they actually they were actually, you know, chassis bent, really bad frontal accident, really bad rear accident, you know, especially MPVs. A lot of them were MPVs. So I think this move is also good because now CTOS will be able to tell people, say now Richard is looking for a second-hand Rolls Royce, right? Okay? <laughs> oh no, I forgot. You're, you don't have a expat salary. Uh, you're looking for a second-hand Nissan, for example. Yeah, okay, Nissan. And you yeah. go to you go to CTOS and you type in the Nissan plate number. It'll tell you whether the car had a flood damage report done by the insurance company. Did it have how many accidents were? Did it claim insurance? You know. Aha. Mm. Uh-huh. So you'll know how bad or how okay this car because generally today almost every car on the road has had some small accident. Right. My question then, Daniel, this mm. information that is held by, by CTOS, mm. um, is, is this information that's available for every car out there on the road currently? I think it's for every car. I don't think it's volunteered because if it's coming from insurance companies, okay, like say, for example, I own a few cars. I've never claimed insurance because I've never had an accident. Touch right. wood, touching my head, touching my toes. My car information will not be there. So if my car information is not there, the assumption is this guy's car is solid, right? Mm-hmm. But, what if I've had accidents, but I've not claimed insurance, I've just gone and repaired it myself? Nobody would know. Ah, Nobody right. will know, right? Yeah. Because yeah. I'm not sharing the information to anyone and no agency has got information. The government don't have it. So there is still room for a little bit of, hey, hey, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Now, next problem. We've had a lot of flooded cars in Malaysia, right? Mm. Now, if you go to any used car dealer now or the Sunday car mart or whatever, you see people advertising their cars and they put a big statement there, no flood, no flood, no flood, no flood. Now, I know people who have had flood damage, but they have not claimed from insurance because they didn't have flood coverage. So if you didn't have flood coverage, you're not going to inform the insurance company. What do you do? You fix it yourself out of your own pocket. Mm-mm. Now, when you fix it yourself, are you paying the price for all new parts or do, would you do like just enough to get the car back on the road? Right. So someone like Ali will pay full price because he's got expat salary. Someone like you, Richard, will just you know count the pennies and do the bare minimum because you can't afford it. Mm-hmm. So in a month's time, when you want to sell the vehicle, I come along, I see one nice, you know, Matsalefle, you know, handsome, talking, says my car is wonderful, no flood. I will believe you. Because CTOS will not have the information. And then I take it home and then a month later, I see water seeping in from the, from the back. What do I do? You know? So it, there's still a lot of grey areas. I'm mentioning this because of the flood thing. Because I know some people who've actually bought cars that had flood damage and they didn't know. They went by themselves. The dealer promised them. The dealer gave them surety. But you know, 
when you go back and complain to the dealer, he can also say, "Hey, the previous owner never told me." So, mm-hmm. what do you do? So, I, I just had a quick head over to their website, uh, and I looked at the the prices. So, they do like a, a Japan vehicle history check, a UK vehicle history check, and Malaysian reports. So they do like a, for the Malaysian version, it's a vehicle insurer and a vehicle check. Right. Both are six ringgit per report. That's not too bad at all, is it? Probably the same price as they charge the banks for a financial health check. Yeah. But if you choose to look at a vehicle that comes in from Japan, for example, mm-hmm. the prices start at 49 ringgit and go up to 140 ringgit. Yeah. Well, well that report fair. you can also get directly from Japan because why? there's a Japanese website that also offers that service. Uh-huh. Because... Oh. All the grey imports that come into Malaysia right now for non-hybrid cars, I'm talking about non-hybrid cars, eh? mm. non-electric cars, all the grey imports that come in, that means the Alfa, the Mercedes, the BMWs, the Toyota GT86, the BRZs, you know, all these cars, eh? mm. they all come from Japan. Some come from UK. Mostly the continental cars come from UK. Uh, a mixture comes from Japan, right? Mm-hmm. So these two countries are the biggest. But electric cars are also coming in from Hong Kong, from Australia mm. because of the tax-free thing. So these cars don't come with a report, any right. kind of report at all because these two right. countries don't offer that kind of reporting. Mm-mm. So you have to be a little bit worried. Mm. So what have we got for uh, Global then, Ali? Global launch, uh, we just learned that Mazda are going to debut a 3.3-litre petrol hybrid engine on their new CX-60. In Malaysia, we get CX-30, but CX-60 is a bigger version of the same design of a compact crossover. The CX-60 is going to be launched in Australia first. The petrol hybrid engine is their first ever inline six petrol engine with a turbocharged 3.3-litre setup. Something like this, first of all, it's a 3.3 litre, not for our market because we have a very high road tax system, especially when you go above from 3.0 and above, boom, it doubles up in a big way, right? Mm. So this this road tax could be almost like 3,000, 4,000 ringgit. I, I don't know the actual amount. So this will, will I, I doubt it'll come to Malaysia, but maybe Burma might want to tickle a few customers. They might, you know, bring in a few CBU units and just make a few people happy because the CX-60 is a good-looking vehicle and you get something with this kind of power, immediately you're, you're, you're targeting competition straight on with the German brands, you know? Mm. Now, in Australia, it's different. New Zealand is different. So, I think they're, they're hitting the markets where there's no issue with Rotex, but there's a, there's a demand for big, powerful engines for long-distance travel. I mean, you know, th- those two countries, there's a lot of long-distance driving. And a lot of them still don't want electric because charging infrastructure. A lot of them just want a nice, big, powerful petrol engine, which saves fuel if if you need be. So with a mild hybrid, you can be cruising and then you use less fuel. And then when you're in the city in stop-go traffic, the hybrid system will help you out. So I think that's a, the, the, the market. I don't think it's going to be a huge seller. But I think if they bring to Malaysia, my personal opinion, there'll be, there'll be at least 10 people who'll say, I want this lie, you know? <laughs> Just to say that they've got it. Correct. Okay, what else? All right, um, we were looking at the rumour mill a little bit, the news about the Porsche Macan. So mm-hmm. it was slated to be released next year and we heard that it's going to be delayed and now it's true because Inside EV has reported that the new Porsche Macan EV, its launch is going to be delayed up to 2024, two years from now. And apparently Porsche confirms that this is due to the slow development of the Volkswagen's software platform, which they are going to use in the car. 
Okay. There have been a lot of talk about the Porsche Macan. I mean, the new Porsche Macan because the current Macan, of course, selling well, looks good and everything else. But a lot of people were were talking about it because, uh, you know, Porsche has got a electric platform right now with the Taycan and the Taycan Turismo, and they said, hey, I think for sure they're going to take it into the SUV territory, which is the Macan and the Cayenne. So the Macan was supposed to be, you know, one of the first to come out with a full, you know, electric propane or maybe a, a plug-in hybrid version or what we don't know yet. There mm. was there was a lot of talk about it. Most probably EV lah, full EV. Anyway, so now they say, tunggula, you know, mm. we have to wait. Now, I think this is a smart move because I still think and I still keep saying the whole electric, battery electric game, especially for manufacturers who are moving from petrol and diesel to electric, not those who started from ground zero, but those who are moving across, they are still doing a lot of R&D. They're still trying to get it perfect. And People like Porsche, they do things properly. When they release something, they make sure it's ready, it's going, it's done, you know? So the mm. Porsche Macan and also the, the next generation Porsche Cayenne will be and should be carrying the next generation battery technology and battery software technology. So I think this delay, like I said, is software-based is because they've not got it perfect. They want to get it perfect or as perfect as possible before they release it. So there's a slight delay. There's nothing wrong. We'll wait. Because we don't have the money to buy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the meantime, we can still check out the petrol-powered Porsche Macan, right? In the market. Yes, it's still selling and it's still selling very well. All right. Let's wrap up for this segment then and have uh, a little bit of a break. And of course, when we come back, a bit of a discussion. We're speaking about the Proton and the Gentari MOU. What's the big deal all about that? You're listening to Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. FM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Cruise Control. I'm Rich Bradbury, as usual, with Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Say hello, Daniel. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. <laughs> and of course, Ali Johan from BFM. Say hello, Ali. Yeah, good evening, Rich. Good evening, Daniel. Okay, um, so what's all this discussion about? And what's going on? Okay, what's the dis- discussion about is very simple. Proton... Proton cars, you know, they, they they talked about launching a smart electric cars a few months ago, right? Mm. And there was big noise and everyone is very happy about it because, you know, finally Proton getting into the electric car game and the partnership is with smart cars. Smart cars uh, used to be owned 100% by Mercedes. Then Geely, which owns Proton, came into the play and they, they took a part of uh, smart cars. And then the smart cars were developed further into the electric market. And, you know, blah, 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 blah. Now you have the Smart One, which is coming very soon as a full electric car. Global launch was done a few months ago. It looks nice. It looks like a crossover. It's mm-hmm. It's got all the features that you want in an electric car and more. It's not small. It's quite large. It's not longer a, a small vehicle like the old Smart Car. So that's Smart. Now, Proton, they've set up a subsidiary called ProNet. And ProNet is the one that's going to be involved in distributing and delivering this, this Smart Car. Now, when they launched it, they, they had the, the media like us there and they, and they also said that they will have a complete charging network nationwide, including Sabah and Sarawak. And they showed us a map with all the possible charging points. And, you know, of course, there's a lot concentrated in Klang Valley, but there's also, you know, in some 
locations outside the city, Sabah, Sarawak, outside KK, Kuching, Lahadatu, all these, these locations had charging stations. And mm-hmm. we asked, hey, you know, who's going to put up the charging station? It costs a lot of money. They said, oh, we'll come back to you on that. So in our minds, we're thinking for Proton, let's be honest, like, you know, Proton is in partnership with GD. GD has got tons of money, tons of money. But mm. GD is not going to come to Malaysia and put up charging stations because they'll say, hey, you know, small market, we've got bigger markets to think about, you know. And Geely has got so many brands under the Geely umbrella that are full electric. Like Volvo is part of their, 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 their brands. And, you know, that's going full electric in a few years' time. They've already started selling. Uh, we've got the new C40 Volvo coming very soon. That's full electric. Then you've got Polestar, which is a full electric brand under them. Then they also got Geometry, which is also their electric brand. And then you've got others, you know, waiting in line. They've got the, the electric taxis in Greater London. So the thing is now, Geely is not putting up charging stations. They're not in the business of putting up charging stations. So we were thinking, okay, who can it be? And then there was a small company called Gentari. And a few months ago, they launched their charging infrastructure. Gentari, shock news, is going to put charging stations everywhere. Charging points, charging stations, some AC, some DC. They already have the stations. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing if you've already got petrol stations everywhere, whether it's your own or it's your, or it's your contractor or your partner, you can put up charging stations. Yeah. You know, it's just a question of money. And Petronas got a lot of money, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've got people coming already to your stations, you've got the forecourt, you've got the land, you've got the, the facilities, you just have to dredge a hole, put in the cable, put the charging box there, put a yellow line or red line around the area and say, no other cars except EVs come and charge here. And it makes a lot of sense. Now comes news that Proton has signed an MOU with Gentari to provide Ah. the charging infrastructure for Proton electric cars. So it starts with the smart one, but I think as they develop more products for, for, for the market, which will probably come from Geely, maybe even, maybe even Geometry, because they don't have right-hand drive uh, uh, models right now. It couldn't come with a Proton badge, or maybe not, and the charging infrastructure is there. But because it's under ProNet, I don't think they'll set up ProNet just to sell one smart car. You, you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. If you set up a whole subsidiary and you employ people and you've got consultants and you've got PR people and everything, it's obvious they're going to do just m- more than one model and they're thinking far ahead. It's got to be something big, hasn't it? Big, man, big. So the fact that they're working with Jantari, <laughs> I think they want to tell, you know, Malaysian consumers, hey, we're giving you now a car for the mass, lah. you know? We're, mm-hmm. Yes, the price... Not for the mass. The prize is only for people like Ali, you know, big salary. Mm. But it's still there. You'll still be able to charge it. You'll still be able to move around the country, even in Sabah and Sarawak. Ali, what do you think? To me, this neatly ties our news reports from last month about the launch of Gentari to the market. And we were wondering, like, what were they going to be doing in this country, right? What were they doing? eh? Um, The big shout about them was the 25,000 charging points between between Malaysia and India being the two key markets. To compound that as well, Proton cars, they have been selling a lot of the X70 and X50, which are both, you know, petrol powered. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we can't see the connection here. That's why you got ProNet because ProNet is going to be the electric car division. Right, yeah. So now it makes sense. It's all slowly coming together. They gather us in drips and drabs, you know, and this information. You see, instead of bringing the car first, they're bringing the charging infrastructure first. And 
this charging infrastructure is not just for Proton. They're going to have these charging stations up anyway, you know, mm-hmm. because they want to get into that business. This is this is soon to be a money-making business. And when I say money-making business, means it's not going to be cheap to charge cars anymore. Here's something that I predict. And right. maybe you heard it here first. Yes. Is that coming along with your new car purchase, there'll be something like if you buy the car for this price, you will get, I don't know, three months worth of free charging at Gentari stations or, mm. or whatever it is. Mm. You know, something I, I could see that kind of thing happening. Possible. Possible. Yeah. Mm. Or something like that, you know? Yeah. I hope we don't have to fight over charging pots in all the Petronas stations in the country. Well, you know. Like I said, this is an expensive project, okay? You need a company with Billions. big backup, mm. you know, mm. to do this and say, okay, we're going to start making money three years from now, four years from now, five years from now. You're not going to make money in the first year, okay? Mm. Now, there are other players coming into the market. Those who came earlier with AC charges, oh, yes, they made, they made, they've made their money because why AC charges don't cost that much, you know? But DC charges cost a lot of money and you need to invest in DC charges because people are not going to wait 3-4 hours to charge their electric car. They want to do it in half an hour, 45 minutes tops. Right now, our we all know because we all pay our bills, TNB is not that expensive. Charging the car is not expensive. But it's not the cost of the TNB. You have to get back your money for the DC charging cost, the cabling, the installation, the machinery, the cooling system, you know, because DC chargers run very hot. So all this needs to have an income. Petronas or Gentari is not doing this as a social exercise. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. Mm. We want the prices will be going up. You heard it here first. <laughs> On Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM 89.9. We'll be right back. FM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back. It's the third and final portion of the show where we let Daniel run wild uh, with his car review. It's the Honda Civic E-H-E-V-R-S. Daniel, tell us all about it. First of all, E-H-E-V. What does E-H-E-V mean? That is a hybrid. Honda hybrid vehicle started with the, the Honda Inside many years ago. Then we had the Civic. Now comes E-H-E-V, which started with the brand new city. It's a whole different model of uh, electrification. It's a whole new technology. It's a Honda patented method of uh, saving fuel using a battery system and a small petrol engine. Why I say small petrol engine is because the battery system is assisted by the petrol engine. It's not the other way around. Uh, with a lot of other hybrid cars, uh, they say, okay, you got a, you got a petrol engine, but the battery system assists you because it's hybrid this is the other way around honda wants to give it the other way around so they're saying you know it's almost like the the petrol engine is a is a generator for you right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so ehev long explanation will not go into it you can go to dsf you can read all about the technology and get a bit confused like i was most important thing is it saves fuel so now you had the honda city the current model ehev launched doing well selling very well you see on the road signature color that nice bright red color then you had the latest HRV, which was just launched. We drove it. We loved it. It makes a lot of difference. And these EHEV models are all the premium models of the Honda lineup as they come along. Now, with the City and the HRV, 
they were using a 1.5 liter petrol engine. Okay, a very nice, simple Honda petrol engine. Now comes the Civic EHEV RS. Very important, RS. Now RS means performance version, right? Mm, mm. To use the word RS on a Civic, you got to have performance. So instead of using a 1.5 liter engine, they're using a two liter engine. So we heard about this uh, some months ago when it was launched in Europe. Uh, the figures sound impressive, but we're saying, is it really that impressive? Now, with eHEV technology, you don't get a lot of horsepower. You get a lot of torque, okay? Some people still don't understand the difference. Now, you can have a lot of horsepower, but you don't have a lot of torque, then you don't get a lot of mid-range uh, acceleration. With the eHEV, you get a lot of mid-range acceleration. So you have 315 Newton meters of torque. That's 315. Horsepower is 185. Doesn't sound very impressive, but get into the car and drive it. So what Honda Malaysia did was, to make sure we get a real feel of how, how this car performs, they gave us a test drive at the Sepang circuit. Okay. okay. So that means we can exploit top-end speed, we can exploit acceleration, also exploit a lot of mid-range power delivery because as you go around the corners, as you're coming out of the corner, you want to slam your foot down and get as much power into the wheels as possible. So this is what we did. First of all, you get into the car. It's like the, the current Civic. It's very well built, very well put together. In fact, I've said this a few times before, it rivals German compact sedans. In fact, it betters some German compact sedans, costing 60, 70, 80,000 ringgit more. But they've got badge snobbery on their side. So the Civic is still in the Japanese-Korean car segment. Now, with the eHEV, they've added extra features on the inside over the standard Civic. Some of these extra features are just to say, hey, this model is different. This model is the next generation up, the next variant up. You get what I mean? So now we come to the battery system. Now, they've also upgraded the lithium-ion battery system. And now it's 72 cell. Uh, 72 cell means you get more power, you get better density. And then you get this 2-liter petrol engine, like I said, Atkinson cycle engine. Now, this means this car is not going to be for the faint-hearted, okay? From the start, it's very quiet. You start with the battery, right? So you move out of the pit, it's still in the battery. The moment you hit a certain speed, I was not watching because I was, I was more interested in trying to get it back, you know, on the track. You suddenly hear the engine come on. And the engine comes on very quietly. Unlike the European rivals who do the start-stop and everything else, you don't hear the engine jerking or you don't hear any vibration when the engine comes on. This is what I like about this Honda eHEV system. You know, it's almost seamless. You get what I mean? Mm -hmm. You just hear a little bit of noise, very little noise because sound insulation is also very good. The, the, the cabin is very well put together so you don't hear any sound coming in from the firewall or from behind the dashboard, okay? You just see the rev meter just moving up and you know that the engine is fired up, but you, you don't really hear it in your face, you know? Take it around, come on the straight, put your foot down, and then you hear a different engine tone. Because the battery system is working with this new Atkinson cycle engine, you hear a little bit of a howl as you go up above 6,000 revolutions. And I think that howl is more to tell you that this is a performance car. I, maybe mm. howl is not the right word, but you know, it... it it's a nice sound to hear. And you keep thinking, hey, can I keep it in 6,000 and above the whole journey? <laughs> <laughs> Which is wrong to do, but on a racetrack, it's okay. So it's a nice power delivery. Top end speed, we didn't try, but you know, we went past 180, no issue. The car feels and, and looks very, very nice. 
I think it's going to be another bestseller for Honda. I think Honda is, you know, got it right in terms of this technology. How reliable it is, many people have asked me. I said, I don't know because it's it's just come out. So mm. far, the current cars that are running, they, they, don't, they don't seem to have a lot of problems. You know, people always ask, you know, will it last seven years, eight years? Well, they give you a warranty. It covers the battery. It covers the technology. It covers the, the petrol engine. So we'll have to wait and see. But I don't think the Japanese car manufacturers, all of them, will release technology like this without doing extensive tens- testing. Because For sure. they, yeah. they've always been flying the flag of reliability and long-term mm. You know, quality. So I think it's a good buy. Now, here's the best part. A lot of people also ask me after I put up the article, how much? Now, how much is a very worrying subject because they did not share the price with us. And I tell you why they did not share the price with us because it's not officially launched. Okay? The car was given to us to test drive, but not officially launched simply because they're still waiting to get enough cars ready in the market so that when they launch, enough customers can take it home. You get what I mean? They don't want to launch and then, oh, you know, one year waiting list, nine months waiting list. So I think they're just building up their stocks, making sure the production is all ready. Because this car is coming from its factory in Malacca. So the ones that we drove are already production cars, ready production cars. There's more coming out. Now, I'll share with you my guess. You heard it here first of the price. <laughs> now, the current Civic... Three variants. You got the E variant at 125,000. You got mm-hmm. the V variant at 138,000. You got the current 1.5 turbocharged RS, which is the best selling variant right now, at 144,000 ringgit. Now, I think this Civic EHEV RS, fully loaded with a lot of new features and this electrified engine. I think it's going to be around 168,000 ringgit. Mm-hmm. Which is about 20 or 1,000 ringgit more than the 1.5 RS. It sounds like a lot, but earlier this evening, someone said, I got no problem. I paid 20,000 more for the... <laughs> Two of you said that. Two of you said that. <laughs> I didn't want to mention that. but <laughs> 20,000 more. Because over a seven to nine year loan, 20,000, nothing, you know? Uh-huh. So that's a Honda huh? Civic EHEV RS. Did you enjoy playing with it? I enjoy any car on, on, on the Sepang circuit because it's a Sepang circuit. Uh, this car was equally enjoyable to drive because it's not it's not lagging in power. You've had the mid-range torque, like I said, 350 newton meters. You know, the Sepang circuit is a long circuit. It's a wide circuit. If you have a car that doesn't have enough torque, it gets boring after a couple of laps. Now, we were not bored. We wanted to go more, but... You know, we were limited to time because also it was raining. And mm. There were other media there, so we had to be polite and let other media drive also. Well, there you go. Okay, gentlemen, thank you very much for today's show. No problem. Thank you for having me again. Well, okay, folks, if you missed any part of this show, of course, it was a show in three parts. We spoke about uh, the Toyota Velos, the Mercedes EQE SUV, online vehicle check facilities, more delays with the Porsche Macan, Mazda's new 3.3-litre engine, the Proton and the Gentari MOU, what's the deal with that? And, of course, Daniel's lovely review there of the Honda Civic EHEV RS. If you missed any part of this show, download it where you normally get it from. We recommend the BFM app. It's available in the Apple App Store or Google Play. This has been Cruise Control here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 
For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.